The Road to Tukiad, an anthology by Shrapnel. Tukiad, the name resounds in history, in the company of such famed battles as Cressy, Agincourt, Midway and others. The backwater world of Tukiad, proxy planet for terror, played unfortunate host to the Comgard's stand against the clans who invaded the Innisfere, pitting 50 regiments of battle mechs, armour and infantry against 25 galaxies of clan Omnimex and Elementals. Never before in the history of the Innisfere or the clans has there been a single battle of such gigantic proportion. But the battle began long before that fateful day. Uninhabited star system, periphery, 2 January 3050. Light from the nearest star, 10 AU below their feet, washed the stark docking collar chambers in harsh shadows as their eyes fought its orange wavelength. Or perhaps my eight decades are finally catching up to me. Though it was difficult to stand amongst the best and brightest of their leadership and not feel the clan's ageism press against him, Severin LaRue, kept an impassive face, but chided his self-deprecation. As the dropship with its unusual passenger bled off the last of its velocity before docking, his eyes roved over those gathered for the reception. Leo Showers, the smoked Jaguar Khan, stood easily amongst the others, his well-muscled body seemingly relaxed, his mane of black hair swept back off the tattoo on his forehead as it cascaded into small plaits that fell around his shoulders. His piercing light green eyes momentarily caught Severance, and a flash of something sparked before Leo fixed the gaze on the docking collar. I'm not at all surprised, Leo, by your audacity in meeting this enemy in secret. He begrudgingly conceded the boldness and intelligence required to seize on the offered transmission, but we all underestimated you, didn't we? Leo's resplendent uniform of the ill ship spoke of that underappreciated political acumen, the eyes. It's always in the eyes. And even I forget it. After nearly a quarter of a millennium, the smoked Jaguar Khan had been the one to lead the clans back to conquer the thousands of Innisfere worlds. The arrow forged by the founder was drawn and ready to be loosed at the heart of corruption that had destroyed the original Star League. And if the periphery worlds they'd just finished conquering in preparation for the start of Wave 1 operations into the so-called great houses were any indication. I've always trusted your visions, Bicon. How could you let us down in our time of greatest glory? Severin's chest constricted with the disappointment of being a reserve clan. He refused to look at his oathmaster standing at his side. To keep his thoughts at bay, he contemplated the rest of the company, one of the oldest men of the group, still young by my standards. The Khan of Clan Jade Falcon, filled his clan's black, green and yellow uniform admirably. Elias Critchell adjusted his jacket three times in the few moments Severin watched, then ran his hand back through his luxurious white hair. He preens almost as much as their namesake. Severin worked to keep a sneer from his face for such ostentatiousness before a new thought intruded. Unlike Leo Showers, all know of Elias's political savvy. 
If there was one more individual most responsible for leveraging the accidental discovering of the clan homeworlds by Comstar's outbound light jump ship into the Ground Council voting for war, it was Elias. He stood alone. He has no need of support and could convince a blood spirit to accept a dark cast in their midst. I must remember that. Almost directly across from Elias stood Khan Karl Bajorn and his Sei Khan, Teresa Del Villa. Her long, dark dreadlocks almost seemed to flourish next to Karl's tight cap of light brown hair. Teresa kept her eyes down as she spoke quietly, but the ghost bear Khan stood impassively listening, hardly speaking a word versus her steady stream, arms crossed as though an immovable object for today's unusual proceedings. He is one filled with the spirit of his totem. The final occupant of the room, beyond a point of requisite elemental guards, stood with a smirk on his face. Instead of a full resplendent clan wolf uniform, Garth Raddick wore a field uniform of green shirt and mottled grey and green cargo pants, tucked tightly into brown boots, with the magnetic slips clamped on the bottom that kept them all firmly in place as the warship parked at the nadir jump point of the system. Clan Wolf did not even send their Khan. You play a dangerous game, Ulrich. You failed in the Grand Council and in the trial of refusal to stop this invasion, and you use every moment to slight the Ilkhan and his supporters. Yet you have chosen to fight in our return, and you even beat the Smoke Jaguars in their periphery timetable. What are you up to? You can only play the lone wolf for so long. Then again, the Ilkhan had thrown around his own slights, as he'd not invited either the Steel Viper or Diamond Shark Khans, the other two reserve clans, to this strange meeting, and we are only here after much adroit wrangling of egos. Anger roiled Severin's stomach at his companion once more, and he momentarily closed his eyes, breathed out deeply, including my own. A clang rang through the chamber as the dropship met the docking collar. This close to the pressure equalization, Severin's ears popped and the sound of exchanging air hissed while the entire assembly seemed to stand taller. As though we are fearful of one man from an organization that only controls a world. But even his own words echoed falsely but the world they control is the most important jewel in the universe. The docking hatch slowly cycled open, and Severin Sakan, Lucian Khans, carefully walked into the meeting. Glancing around at the assembled leadership of the clans, he marginally nodded his head to acknowledge the presence of the Ilkhan, and then stepped aside to allow his passenger entry. An old man with a heavily lined face, a black eye patch and white shoulder-length hair stepped onto the true vision, his white uniform shocking against the vibrant colours of his awaiting audience. The surprised looks that flashed across the assembled Khan's faces spoke volumes. In a culture where growing old meant failing as a warrior, this man was ancient, perhaps older than I am. Then again, his Novacats had always been considered odd amongst the clans. That their Khan outpaced everyone else by two decades only cemented such eccentricities in their minds. As some of the Khan's faces settled into sneers of contempt, Severin studied the strength in the man's bearing. Despite his age and the obvious weight of leadership, 
more importantly, the eyes, or I in this case, always pay attention to the eyes. This presenter Marshal Anastasius Fogt is far more than he seems. He is a dangerous man. The animalistic howl that erupted at his side caused Severin to jerk to the right and actually lose his left foot's magnetic strip. Horror at the breach of protocol crawled up his neck and onto his bald pate as his Oathmaster's small, wiry frame launched off the deck and shot forward in the microgravity. Even the two elemental guards behind Fogt froze, along with everyone else, at the shocking manoeuvre. Before anyone could react further, she had twisted in mid-air. His mind catalogued the oddity of her clutching magnetic strips in her hands, tucking herself into a ball as she slammed into Fogt's chest. The speed and ferocity of the manoeuvre toppled the man backwards, momentum levering him off his own mag slips and tilting him downward before they tore free. Bunched up, as though a feline straddling her kill, they neared the deck, and she manoeuvred her left foot onto Fox's neck, right leg, tamping tight onto his right side of his chest, while she reached forward past his head to slam her mag slips onto the deck, securing them in place. This is the Black Cloud! She howled, looking over her shoulder at Severin, and then onto the rest of the clans. He will destroy us, as I have foreseen and as I have foretold. The feverish light in her eyes seemed to glow as the presenter's face began moving from red into purple under the constriction of oxygen. Shame burning his skin. Even as his foreboding prickled along his arms, Severin moved forward, having finally reattached his left foot to the deck. Oathmaster, what have you done? He tried grabbing her, and she hunkered down as a feral beast did to protect its kill. Fire seared his arms, her fingernails clawing him as she battered away his attempts to seize her. Remove her! The deep voice of Ilkhan Leo Showers bellowed. The two elementals moved forward, and for a moment, despite their towering size and strength over Bikon, she managed to retain her position choking the life out of the Comstar Ambassador. We will be destroyed! She screamed through foam-flecked lips. The Black Cloud will destroy us all! You must listen! Finally, one of the elementals chopped down across the back of her neck, instantly sending her into oblivion. They pulled her off the Ambassador, letting her momentarily float as they helped the Precentor Marshal to his feet. Severin was torn between watching two events. The Precentor Marshal, for a frown or creased brow to indicate this explosive situation, had soured a potentially powerful relationship between the clans and the controller of all Innersphere faster-than-light communications before it had even begun, and at the unconscious form of his Oathmaster, dragged through the air by her hair towards who knew what. He shivered as those feelings of foreboding and shame continued warring within him, what have you done, Bikon? What have you done? Comstar Military Headquarters, Sandhurst, British Isles, Terror. 5 February 
Within the world presented to him by the interactive construct reality helmet, the precentor marshal strode like a giant across the battlefield. The computer drew the landscape in exquisite detail, providing Anastasius Fox a full-colour map of Tukiad, with a scale of 2.5 centimetres real being equivalent to 10 metres subjective. At that scale, the battle mechs arrayed across the landscape looked like toy soldiers, and a careless misstep by the precentor marshal could destroy a legion of them. Fogt brought his hands up, cocking his wrists as though preparing to type on a computer keyboard. The data gloves encasing his hands passed this information to the computer, which obliged him by creating a keyboard template to give him a visual guide for his hands, as he typed in a request to adjust the scale of the world. He noted with grim satisfaction that the computer had provided him the same keyboard he would have had found in a battle mech. Like a time-lapse film of mushrooms growing, the battle mechs sprouted up until they reached the presenter marshal's waist. He squatted down until sighting over the torso of one wolf clan hag attacker, then smiled as he realised he could see nothing. He reached out his right hand, as he would have from the command couch of a battle mech, and switched from vislight to infrared to magscan and back to vislight again. In none of the various scanner settings did he see anything. He stood and smiled. Computer, note that because of the landscape's rolling nature, at 150 meters on the Presno Plain on Tukiad, the Wolf Clan approached our entrenched forces without being able to detect them. Noted. The computer commented emotionlessly. A call has come in from the Primus. Will you leave the simulation? Or would you like to take the call woven into the world? Fogt sighed heavily. Project it, per the last time. He knew it would annoy her, but he did not want to leave the simulation of Tukiad. He had cracked one small portion of the clan's invincibility, and he did not want to lose it. I know the key to defeating them is here somewhere. Now I just have to find it. The computer shaped a billowing white cumulus cloud in the sky. The Primus's face appeared on the cloud, and her expression gave the presenter marshal an inkling of how Adam must have felt after eating of the apple. You know how I hate to speak with you when you are there. Forgive me, Primus, but I have much work to do, and being able to study the battlefield in the detail provided by the ICR equipment is vital to my purpose. He bowed his head, then glanced at his own image as projected in the sky behind her cloud to assure smooth animation. He knew her greatest objection to working with him while in ICR equipment was the expressionless computer-generated image of him that she saw on her Visiphone screen. From the projection, she could read nothing of his facial expressions or body language. That left her at a disadvantage, and she did not like it. Very well, Presenter Marshal. I would not wish to obstruct your defense of terror. What have you to report? He opened his hands wide. This is the world of Tukiad a relatively mild and somewhat arid planet in the Scandia province of the Free Russell Haag Republic. It is primarily an agricultural world, with most of its landmasses comprised of grassy plains controlled by agro-combines. During the era of Kirita rule, several minority religions came to the world and set up monastic communities in the mountains, and in one case, under the Crucible Sea. As a result, the population of the world is relatively small. The government is decentralized, with each corporation running its holdings like a fiefdom, except where theocracies have carved out their own little domains. The Primus yawned. 
Interesting, Presenter Marshal. I take it you find this world significant for more than its ability to bore the clans to death? Indeed I do, Primus. Fark pressed his hands together carefully. You are looking at the world that will be the salvation of terror. I do not understand. The Precentor Marshal took pleasure in the computer construct's hiding of his expression of disdain. As the successor states have discovered, we cannot determine in advance where the clans will strike next. By all analysis of their techniques for selecting targets, they should bypass Tukiad because it presents no threat to them. It has no native militia and any able-bodied individuals who could be spared from their jobs have long since left for the crumbling Russell Hag front. But I know of a way to make Tukiad a prime target for the Wolf Clan. That is, quite simply to challenge Khan Ulrich to a battle on this world, which will decide the fate of terror. The Primus nodded, anxiety flashing across her face like heat lightning. I had assumed we would have to fight the clans, and I do not want the battle to take place on terror for obvious reasons. I assume you have chosen Tukiad for more than its lack of potential civilian casualties? The way she spoke, the presenter marshal got the distinct impression that the possibility of civilian casualties did not necessarily mean vetoing the plan. Primus, Tukiad has a number of things to recommend it. The world has many open areas for direct confrontations. The mountains are suitable for hit-and-run operations. The weather tends to be superior most of the time, which bodes well for aerospace and atmospheric fighter craft. Moreover, Tukiad has countless storage facilities, which, at this time of year, are empty and waiting for the fruits of the coming harvest. We can use them for munitions and supplies for our troops. Best of all, the low population is concentrated in easily defensible positions, which does not allow the clans to use civilians against us. The Primus let a predatory grin spread across her face. So, victory is assured against the clans. Fox stiffened, but the image sent to the Primus did not. Primus, selecting a suitable battlefield on which to engage the clans is but the first step in deciding a strategy to oppose them. I think Tukiad will give us an advantage, but we still have to deal with certain facts. The first and foremost of these is that the Free Russell Hag Republic has not given us permission to land troops on their world or to use it as a battleground. They will. The Primus waved away his concern. Prince Harkon Magnuson is so desperate for anything approaching a victory in his pitiful nation that he will jump at the chance of having us defend the world for him. I will see all the agri-combines get a message in the morning, indemnifying them against any damage we cause. Furthermore, we will expedite all their communications. They will not notice any difficulties if they decide to evacuate their people, which we will recommend highly. She smiled like a mother indulging a child. If this is the world you require for your victory, you shall have it, one way or another. Tukiad is yours. I wonder if she believes she can decree victory this easily as well. Thank you, Primus. I appreciate your adding the suggestion to evacuate the world. It would lessen my potential problems. The Precentor Marshal folded his arms. I have already begun to issue orders to consolidate the Com Guards and prepare for their reassignment to Tukiad. 
I have delivered preliminary requests for equipment and supplies that my quartermasters have determined we have available. I have planned for a campaign that will take upwards of a month to complete. A month? Mindo Waterly frowned. I have seen your requests, and with that number of troops, I would think you could defeat the clans in a matter of hours. No, Primus. Fokt pointed to the forest of clan mechs surrounding him. The clans are specialists in quick victories. If the fighting ends in an hour, it is Comstar that will taste defeat. In this battle, we have to assume that the clans will bid everything they have to oppose us. In fact, I expect Khan Ulrich to bring troops from all seven of the attacking clans to Tukiad to oppose us. They will pull no punches, so we must become adept at avoiding their punches. But a month's worth of supplies? Is that not excessive? Falk shrugged. As I have long told leaders when requesting resources, I can return leftover supplies after I win. If I run out of munitions, there can be no victory. Moreover, diverse supply points and the ability to move has proved successful for both the Federated Commonwealth and the Draconis Combine. In fact, breaking the 3rd and 11th Pesht regulars into more mobile forces is all that has allowed Harito Karita's force to survive this long on Taniti. I will concede that point to you. The Primus slipped her hands into the opposite sleeves of her golden robe. You have your battlefield, your troops and your supplies. What else do you need? My advisors and I are working up different scenarios, based on past clan performance, so we can model their strategies in this computer. We will run repeated tests on our troops against theirs, with everyone from Lance leaders on up working with computer simulations so they come to know the enemy. In running through these strategies, we will discard what fails and look at crafting a tactical and strategic guide that should enable us to handle the clans. You do not sound confident in your ability to defeat them, Presenter Marshal. I would have expected more from a mech warrior with your illustrious career. Vogt brought his head up with deliberate motion so the projection would ape it. Primus, it has been nearly 23 years since last I fought in a battle that was not a simulation. Before that, I fought whenever the Archon called upon me to do so. I led the best troops the Lyran Commonwealth had to offer, and I can tell you that our Com Guards are even better. I did not always know victory, but I learned to respect my enemies, and the clans are deserving of every gram of respect I can muster. I cannot imagine the 10th Liran Guards performing better under my leadership than they have under Prince Victor Ian Davian, but the Jade Falcons tore them to pieces on Elena. While his left hand made a broad sweeping gesture to distract her, Fogt used his right to increase the ICR scale to one to one, and making the clan mechs rise up and dwarf him. As we have known from the beginning, the clans are the greatest threat the Inner Sphere have ever faced. And now, their path leads directly to terror. I will stop them, but I must have your full support in gathering my troops and forming my plans. And you will have my complete support. The Primus' shoulders slumped slightly. I will see to it that nothing stands between you and victory. Good. Now to make my final request. Then you will grant me permission to travel out to meet Khan Ulrich to bargain this fight in the clan manor. Though Fogg had kept his voice low and matter-of-fact, the Primus's eyes grew wide and her face flushed. What? Are you mad? Within the ICR world, the Precentor Marshal expected the lightning in her eyes to shoot out and destroy him. I could not allow my warlord to travel to the camp of the enemy. What if they capture and torture you? I have seen the report on how they broke Felon Kell. 
you might last longer than he, but you would divulge all our secrets in the end. That I cannot chance. Primus, I must go. Fox signaled the computer to increase the time rate so that the world sank into nighttime shadows. Khan Ulrich will know this is a trap. He will know that we are lying in wait for him. The only way I can get him to agree to put the clan's head into the mouth of the Comstar Lion is to beard him in his own den. He will welcome my show of bravery, and he will respect it. Furthermore, my act will challenge the other clans, so when Auric calls for them to participate, they will comply. A formal bargaining session with the Ilkhan is as vital to this operation as supplies and troops. He saw her face close over, and he knew he had lost. No, Precentor Marshal. I cannot allow it. I will not allow it. Think about it, Primus. Consult the First Circuit before making your decision final. He folded his arms and met her electric stare evenly. If you do not allow me to meet with Ulrich face to face to see this battle, you should begin practicing. She looked puzzled. Don't speak in riddles, Precentor Marshal. I know who and what you really are. And such mystical nonsense ill became you. I should start practicing what? Practicing what you'll tell Ulrich when he bargains with you for the defense of terror. In a flash, the cloud went blank, leaving a void amid a star-filled night sky. The pre-center marshal shook his head. The one thing politicians will never understand is the warrior's need to know the opponent he faces is a true warrior. It doesn't surprise me, for politicians consider compromise complete victory. In this war, no compromise is possible because anything short of total victory over the clans will mean the death of Comstar. Fogg drew in a deep breath and sighed heavily. Computer. Boreal Continent. Kokolodu Mountains. Run the approach of the Nova Cat Lancers again. Jumpship Direwolf, Transit Orbit, Deost, Wolf Clan Occupation Zone, 5 April 3052. The pre-center marshal held his head high as the bridge doors slid back into the walls. The two armored elementals standing beside the hatchway came to attention, as did the lines of clan officers running all the way from where the Ilkan waited. Hanging down from the top of the bridge, Fox saw a Wolf Clan banner side by side with a Comstar pennant. From the speakers on the bridge came the strains of a martial tune popular back in the days of the Star League. Fox adjusted his eye patch, then marched in time with the music across the deck to where Ulrich waited for him beside the hollow tank. Making his passage through the gauntlet of clan warriors, he gave them the same respectful nods due his own men when he reviewed them. These are warriors whom I cannot but respect. His jaw clamped down hard. Anything less could be suicidal. He stopped in front of the Ilkhan and gave Ulrich a solemn salute. The clan leader returned it, then offered the pre-center marshal his hand. The peace of Blake be with you, Ilkhan Ulrich. The Ilkhan nodded his head. And with you, pre-center marshal, I welcome your company again, even if it is only for a short time, as I welcome yours, Ilkhan. He shook Ulrich's hand, then took his place beside the younger man. The pre-center marshal searched the faces of the gathered soldiers, thinking he might have missed someone who passed on his blind side. Not seeing Felon, 
He looked up at the viewing area above the bridge, but the familiar silhouette was not there either. Does Felon's absence from here have some significance? Auric waited for his troops to salute, then returned it and dismissed them. If you will present a marshal, I think you will find the holotank best suited to our discussions. Fox thought he heard something more than business in Ulrich's statement, but could not puzzle it out on such skimpy evidence. He bowed his head and followed the Ilkhan into the holotank. Entering the machine was to step into a world where one could truly feel godlike. Within the lozenge of black panels, Fox discovered he walked through a projected map of the Innisphere. At head height, he saw the periphery border where the clans had entered the Innisphere, and down near the floor, his beloved terror. Fokt did not think it coincidence that Comstar's home appeared low enough for Ulrich to crush it with a casual misstep. The pre-center marshal did not even attempt to suppress a smile as he entered the virtual reality produced by the holotank. Like a child marveling at his first planetarium show, he admired the view of the myriad stars, each appropriately labeled. Fokt's own computer-generated realities required data suites and ICR helmets, which made his equipment a mere toy compared to this device. Fock looked around the bridge one final time, then gave the Ilkhan a polite smile. I had hoped to see Felon again. It was a surprise when Elementals met me in the shuttle bay. Ulrich shrugged slightly. He reached up and touched a label, hanging in midair beside a star. A glowing green window opened below the world, and data mirror written from Fock's point of view scrolled through the air. Felon would have liked to have seen you as well, but his unit's on diacid, in case another of their militia units comes out of hiding. We believe all are accounted for, but zealots destroyed the central computers on the planet, throwing all intelligence gathering and record combing into chaos. As Ulrich pushed up on the lower border of the window, the scroll retracted into the small label again. Your concern for Felon does bring up a point I wish to discuss before we start our bargaining. It is in the nature of a personal favour for which I will be grateful. A personal favour? Yes, Ilkhan. The wolf leader clasped his hands behind his back and did not meet Fox's eye directly. I have recorded a holodisc that I wish transmitted to Colonel Morgan Kell of the Kell Hounds unit. I wish to tell him his son lives and is one of my most valued warriors. Ulrich's blue eyes flicked up to make contact with Fox. Does that surprise you, Presenter Marshal? Fock allowed his surprise to show. It does, Ilkhan, and it pleases me as well. It will bring great joy to the Kells. Yes, I imagine it would. You know families far better than I. The petty rivalries and deep feelings that run between members. The Ilkhan crossed his arms over his chest. Our culture, as you know, stresses strong clan and house ties at the expense of family units. If this is a weakness on our part, it matters little at this point. I do not wish to cause suffering to the Kells because of our need for Felon. It is not what they say in the Innisphere, blood is thicker than water, Quaif? Yes, Ilkhan, but we generally add the caveat, but not as thick as duty. Fox study his foe carefully. This is not the Ulrich I have known. Is he sincere or is this a ploy to unsettle me? As for my understandings of family, I fear it's not as strong as you might imagine. My family thrived on misunderstandings. But you have a correct impression of the Kell household, I think. Good. I have not informed Felon that this message is to be sent, but I will allow him to receive any reply. 
If you wish to include a message of your own to Colonel Kell expressing this, or including your own impression of Felon's life here amongst us, please do so. Ulrich held up a hand. And, of course, I know that the Primus may prevent the transmission of this message, given the state of our relations at this point. I will tell Colonel Kell how his son has thrived here. Falkt allowed himself a treacherous grin. I think I may even be able to circumvent the Primus in this matter. Good, then I will not be alone in treason, for I think the Grand Council would not approve my communicating with the enemy. The Ilkhan's blue eyes narrowed. These are dangerous times, Anastasius. What we do here will be wondrous and terrible, and the greatest tragedy is that politicians may render it all for naught. I share your fear, Ulrich. Between us there can be trust I will not betray you. Nor I you. Fox smiled. What our diplomats cannot divide, we must battle over. For the record, I would not have chosen to go to war with you, Ilkhan. I have watched you enough to know better than to relish battling a foe of your abilities. The Ilkhan laughed lightly. I am not immune to flattery, Anastasius. In our bargaining, that may earn you a cluster. Just as long as it is in the 13th Wolf Guards. Interesting choice, my friend. But do you wish to be the one to tell Natasha Kerensky or Felon Wolf they cannot fight against you? Touché, my Khan. There are some missions not meant for mere warriors. Fock glanced back at one of the clan computer consoles, where an aide was working with a clanner. I have brought with me data that will help us bargain on this battle properly. The starfield in the holotank flickered for a second, then redrew itself. I believe your data has been incorporated into my database here. Shall we proceed? Yes. Fock pulled himself up to his full height. I am Anastasius Fockt, Precentor Marshal of Comstar and Supreme Commander of all Comguard troops. Mindo Wortley, Primus of Comstar and Keeper of Blake's Sacred Word, has assigned me the duty of negotiating this battle. What I offer, I warrant is true and free of deception. Ulrich nodded and then straightened to attention. I am Ulrich Kerensky, Ilkhan of the Clans and Khan of Wolf Clan. It is by my own authority, in action for the Grand Council of Khans, that I enter negotiations with you. What I offer, I warrant is true and free of deception. He waved a hand through a thousand stars. As you are the defender, I ask if you have chosen a venue for our confrontation. I have, Ilkhan. Falk reached out and touched the label attached to the planet Tukiad. In the fourth planet, I believe I have found us a battlefield. The window opened and the Ilkhan's left hand strayed to his goatee as the blue and gold world rotated through space. As they watched, the holotank brought their viewpoint down through the atmosphere and sent it skimming across vast fields and ripening wheat. They flew like eagles over the flat plains, then climbed into the dark Poseritsu mountains. From those cloud-shrouded heights, they swooped down river valleys, through swamps and deltas, then across the dark crucible sea. Hardly an exhaustive survey, but the geography appears well suited to any number of battles. The Khan frowned. The population is small and centred in very specific areas. Most of the people will be evacuated from the world, Fox said. As we bring our troops onto the world, the dropships will take people away. The only civilian personnel left on the planet would be those essential to running factories that cannot be shut down. We will take all potentially hazardous industries offline, and we are prepared to designate some religious communities as non-combat zones, 
if you agree. In addition, Comstar accepts half the cost of damage repair if the clans will agree to cover the other half. Comstar bears the cost of evacuation and repatriation? Falk nodded. If you take the world, we will repatriate the population back onto Tukiad, or onto any other world you or they choose. We will consider the people your subjects for this purpose, so you have first choice of where they end up. Acceptable, Ulrich said, but his smile made Fox hackles rise. No reason to clutter the chessboard with impotent pieces, quaff, Anastasius. In a second, Fox's mind flashed to the image of a chessboard. He saw the Primus as his queen, and Natasha Kerensky taking up her position beside Ulrich. It was not a comforting thought. Strangely, what worried him was not what Natasha would do to oppose him, but what the Primus would do to aid him. I would liken it to clearing a sports field of fans before a match. You know as well as I that characterising our battle as a chess game devalues the lives of the men and women who will die on Tukiad. Ulrich held up his hands. Far be it from me to do that, Anastasius, but you must admit that our preparations resemble those that precede a chess match. I have conceded to you the choice of battlefield, allowing you the choice of colour, as it were. Now we must decide who would spot whom pieces, what are their values, and how we can exploit that advantage over our enemy. Ulrich's expression deadened. I, after all, value a force more than some politico, you might throw away a crack unit like a rook sacrificed in a gambit. Falk felt suddenly as if someone was walking on his grave. Oh, you play this game well, Ulrich. Have you pierced the secret of my identity? Was it Felon who did it for you? And is that why he's not here? I would expect that of you, Ilkhan, because you are a military man of great insight. Still, that does not mean you would not expend a force in a suicidal manoeuvre if you deem the gain worth the risk. The point is well taken, Precentor Marshal. Ulrich again stroked his goatee, seeming more at ease than Fock would have desired. And so, then, what force will he use to defend this planet? Fock touched one of the icons below the image of Tukiad. It opened yet another window, and this one remained black, within the neon green border defining it. The Precentor Marshal then reached up to a world firmly in the Wolf Clan occupation zone. From Russell Hug, I bring the 278th Division, under the command of presenter Byron Kaselka. As the Russell Hug window opened, Falk plucked from it the icon representing that Comguard unit and threw it down towards Tukiad. It streaked like a comet through the artificial universe, then appeared in the empty window. Another icon followed it, and another, as Fox stripped all the troops from Comstar's Aster Theatre. From there, he worked into the Federated Commonwealth and pulled troops from the Jade Falcon Occupation Zone. Continuing counterclockwise, the Precentor Marshal sent every Comguard division spiralling in towards Tukiad. When he had finished, he studied the 72 unit designators he had consigned to Tukiad. The data I have given you details the units selected, giving you a breakdown of their histories and the records of the men who make them up. Save your own record, Precentor Marshal. Fox's head came up at the Ilkhan's question. The reason I provide you these records for my men is because our units have not seen real combat. Yet to treat them as green troops would be a mistake. In the interest of clarity, I will provide you the record of my service since becoming the Precentor Marshal. For you to infer anything from my earlier career would be a mistake. 
would it? Ulrich turned away and slowly walked around to the other side of the Tukiad windows. Can an old soldier learn new strategies? Is a caterpillar a butterfly? I chose the name Anastasius Focht for the most specific reason. I am not the man I once was. Deprived of an eye, I see more clearly now than ever before. Focht clasped his hands at the small of his back. We will be defending Tukiad with approximately 50 Batomek regiments and appropriate air, artillery, armour and infantry support. We have chosen not to use naval units because Tukiad's surface water is limited and naval engagements would unnecessarily endanger the underwater city in the Crucible Sea. Ulrich appeared momentarily stunned by the declaration of Comstar's strength. 50 regiments? Falk nodded solemnly. This is everything Comstar has, save the two mech divisions on Terror itself. The Primus was disinclined to have her bodyguard units sent away. Then we are not fighting only for Tukiad? Tukiad is your proxy world for the Terran battle. Did you expect some preliminary conflict for me to test you first? Yes, Ilkhan. It is our proxy battle. We have no more desire to fight on terror than you do. If you take Tukiad, in addition to caring for the population of the planet, we will cede to you terror and all our facilities in your occupation zones. We will continue to administer your worlds for you and our revenues will become yours. If so ordered, we will cease all services for the successor states. We will order our staff to become integrated with your forces and, in effect, we will become part of the clans, if you will have us. Ulrich began to pace, and Fogg was not sure how to read the man. Ulrich had tightened down from his normal imperturbable self into an introspective cocoon. Fogg almost heard the synapses going off in the Ilkhan's brain, but he held no illusions about the Ilkhan cracking under the pressure of the Comstar bid to defend Terra. It was obvious, though, that making Tukiad a proxy surprised and now troubled the Ilkhan. Falk would not have thought it possible to take the man unaware. Perhaps his knowledge of my background led him to expect something else from me. The pre-centre marshal watched the Ilkhan closely, but Ulrich's face gave no clue to his thoughts. Then, Ulrich stopped his pacing and stared at Falk through the Tukiad combat window. If you win, you will want something in return. Falk nodded slowly. The Primus has instructed me to demand that your clans withdraw from the Inner Sphere when we defeat you. He expected a harsh bark of laughter in response to that demand, but instead Ulrich paused to consider it seriously. That, I am afraid, is impossible, Anastasius. As you well know, were I to agree to that condition, the Ground Council would impeach me and repudiate the agreement. We will not withdraw. The Precentor Marshal accepted the answer without protest. As I expected. With one finger, he drew a pulsing red line, paralleling the floor that went through Tukiad. If you will not withdraw, grant me that you and your forces will not pass this line. Let Tukiad forever mark the closest point the clans will ever come to terror. Ulrich pressed his hands together in an attitude of prayer. Forever is a very long time, my friend. It is far longer than I or anyone I know will be able to make the clans respect this bargain. Still... I can accept drawing a line of truce at Tukiad, and I can grant you a year's armistice, as when we broke off our advance to elect a new Ilkhan. The pre-centre marshal shook his head. 
a year you no doubt see as generous. It has allowed your forces to equip and train themselves to better oppose us. Imagine the strides you can make with another year's worth of breathing room. Imagine the strides we could make given a century of peace. A century? I could sell the Grand Council the idea of forever sooner than I could a century. Five years. An eye blink, Ulrich. Five years is nothing to us. Sixty years. The career span of our finest military leaders. Give me sixty years. The Ilkhan smiled in spite of himself. Sixty years? We are mayflies compared to you. Sixty years is twelve generations of our warriors. I will be long dead and forgotten by the time war is again joined. Ten years at the most. To us tortoises, ten years is nothing. Ten years is not enough time to season a good warrior, much less train cadres to oppose you. Thirty years, then. Let the warriors who have fought you return to their homes to raise a new generation of warriors to meet the finest you have to offer. Ulrich hesitated, as if reluctant to counterbid. I am afraid, my friend, thirty years is too much. I can grant you fifteen, and make that a solid bid. Unless you kill me on Tukiad, I believe I can remain Ilkhan long enough to guarantee that bargain. Beyond fifteen years, I will not be able to exert the influence necessary to bind the clans by this agreement. Fox adjusted the patch over his right eye. I've pushed you to the wall, haven't I? Fifteen years I can accept. You have, after all, ceded the choice of battlefield to me. That is true. The Wolf Clan Khan scanned the Tukiad data again. What is the time frame for this fight? The start of May. That is within operational possibilities. When the clans have chosen the units that will assault Tukiad, I will relay that information to you. Fogt extended his hand through the image of Tukiad. Bargained well and done, Ilkhan. Ulrich smiled at his statement. You have learned much during your time with us. Do you think you have learned enough? Enough to know the answer to that question lies on Tukiad. Well, hello everyone, Shrapnel here, saying thank you for listening to Battletopia Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this, then subscribe for regular stories. If you want to see more, I'd love to see you over on my YouTube or my Insta, hashtag Battletopia Stories. Remember, please support the artists and publishers so they can keep creating the content we all love, and I'll see you all on the next time. Bye!